Well, hello, listeners. Welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we talk about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. I'm Jeff Bruce, one of the pastors here. I'm joined by my dad, who is another pastor here. Dad, how are you? Well, considering it's the day after the election, I'm, I'm working on setting my mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Now, Dad, I know that you are a data scientist in addition to being a pastor, as everyone was last night. So in terms of your polling data uh, and projections, how did things work out? Uh, Poorly. Poorly? Poorly. (laughs) Good. Well, we promise that will be the end of our political discussion for this uh, podcast. Uh, We are back from a hiatus, and we're going to continue our discussion on the habits of a disciple maker, the habits of a disciple maker. According to the New Testament, a Christian is someone who is in relationship with Jesus and who is becoming like Jesus. And if you are in a relationship with Jesus where you are becoming like him, that means you are living like Jesus lived and doing so more and more. Jesus spent his earthly ministry making disciples and helping people become followers of him. So guess what? Here's the implication. If you are becoming like Jesus, you are becoming a disciple maker because Jesus spent his time making disciples. If you are becoming like Jesus, you are helping people come to know Jesus. You are helping people come to grow into Jesus and become more like him. And so, Christian, if the Spirit of God lives in you, the Spirit of God is propelling you out into the world to make disciples. That's what we are driving home here. And if you do not orient your life around the priority of making disciples, you will, I think, be frustrated, anxious, even miserable as a Christian, because that's what Jesus is trying to do in you, is trying to produce his life in you and through you. Um, So disciple-making is the responsibility of, of every Christian, so we're talking about the mechanics of how to do it, And if you've been listening, you know right now we're using Robert Coleman's book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, as a springboard for our discussion because Jesus shows us uh, how—Coleman, rather, shows us how Jesus made disciples, and because we're following Jesus, we're we're trying to make disciples like he did. So, Dad, we've looked at five of the practices of a disciple-maker—selection, association, consecration, impartation, demonstration— and, you know, I feel like we could have made all those rhyme better if, if we were responsible for these. But uh, this week, we're going to look at Coleman's sixth habit, which is delegation. Delegation. Jesus assigned his followers work. He gave them tasks. He gave them responsibilities. Now, I am not great at delegation. So, Dad, I will begin by delegating the responsibility to continue this conversation. Good application. To you. Do you like that? That's, that gets back to demonstration and practicing what I preach. But, Dad, uh, initial thoughts uh, about how Jesus delegated ministry and responsibility to his disciples. Yeah. yeah and, this is, and I think this is one of the most neglected aspects of, of disciple-making. But, but it seems that Jesus purposefully trained uh, his disciples to take over his work. Mm-hmm. He he knew he was only going to be here for a short time, and so they not only watched him as he ministered, he trained them to do what he did, and seemed to gradually give them more and more responsibilities. So they they weren't just students but apprentices. Mm. Um, 
learning the craft of making disciples from the master disciple maker. And I think that's why he says in John 14, 12, he who believes in me, the works I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. And so in application, if we are to follow Jesus, we must train workers to whom uh, the ministry can be delegated, not just bench, bench sitters or <laughs> observers. Yeah, or absorbers of information. Exactly. Who you come, come, I'll disciple you, and you'll just grow in, in all of this head knowledge. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. 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 No, Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so I think if we're to follow Jesus, we have to be concerned with producing workers. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of Jesus' initial call to um, discipleship in uh, Mark, or uh, at least his, his formal call to follow me, right, mm-hmm. after he spent time with them, but he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Exactly. And so he, he begins with the end in mind, that, right. the, that your purpose in following me is to be with me, but ultimately is to catch people the way I do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I agree that that's rare in, in discipleship today, where often it's an invitation to get together, it's an invitation to hang out, it's an invitation even to Bible study. Right. But an invitation to actually learn how to make disciples is often lacking. Right. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of people aren't interested in that. It's easier to get them interested <laughs> in doing something else. Yeah. Actually, actually, you know, getting in the game. No, it, it, it's a, if you start the process that way, it will naturally weed more people out. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a clear cost and responsibility built in. I would also say, though, conversely, you'll attract the right kind of people. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, I, I heard someone, you know, describe it as 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 the way they recruit, kind of for the SEALs <laughs> or for the Marines, right? That that they they don't start by saying, "Hey, this is going to be easy. Here are all the benefits <laughs> that are going to come to you. This is great. Here's how we'll set you up for retirement or all that." They'll start with, "No, this is going to be challenging, yeah. but it's going to be highly rewarding." It's not for everybody, and it's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there's an element of that that's good, that challenge element, right? We've talked about invitation and challenge, and, and that's part of delegation, right? Is that you begin with that, "Hey, this is a, a challenging task." Um, but uh, this is what disciple making is, and I'd love for you to to be on this adventure with me. Now that we've lost half our listeners, uh, <laughs> but no, I agree. Yeah, that's that's exactly what we were intending to do: is to weed out the people who don't care about disciple making. So that's fine. Don't listen. Yeah. Now, in my experience, as I've seen people make disciples, it seems like almost everybody. It's almost a universal experience that their first attempt of disciple making <laughs> is a failure. Yeah. And it's a failure usually because they did not make the end clear in the beginning. Right. And that the person they they challenged or asked to be a disciple maker had no intention on really being a disciple. Yeah. And and then um, you get into that relationship, you think, oh no, I'm just in this relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and I was really hoping that this would, you know, turn into something exactly. and uh, and it didn't. And we so. just it's just because we weren't clear. Yeah, it's not the fault of the person. No. The, the person is responding to exactly what we invited them into. Right, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, so let's go to kind of Coleman's outline of how Jesus did this okay. and, and the steps. What are your thoughts on, on kind of how he outlines this process and, and things you'd add? Well, um, I, I think I've included some of that in just some practical implications, so I'm, I'm not... I, I think he's. I think he obviously 
draws a lot from the Gospels in just how Jesus taught his disciples to do different things. Um, yeah. They they uh, they watched him. Yep. And then he watched them as they did it, mm-hmm. and then he sent them out to do it by themselves. Right. And then he got reports back in terms right. of he always checked up on anything he sent people out to do. He was always there. Okay, how to go? Tell yeah. me what happened. Yeah, so if you're going to break down that process in Jesus' ministry, it's kind of, you're with me, and then I do it, (laughs) and you watch me, and then you do it, and I watch you, and then I send you out to do it, and then I check back in to see how you did it. Exactly. That's that's the process. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess we can kind of blend implications together, because they really are, everything Jesus does here has a practical implication, right, right, as he's setting the model for us on how to do it. Um, I think one thing that struck me is Jesus did not start by assigning them um, significant tasks. Right. He took his time. Yeah. Um, and Coleman notes that for about the first year of Jesus' ministry, the disciples are are with him. They're getting to know him better and better. Um, but the the things they're doing are arranging accommodations, uh, getting food. <laughs> um, and, and interestingly, uh, Jesus allows the disciples to baptize people too yeah. at that yeah. time. Um, yeah. So there's there's tasks, but I'd say there are more tasks than really entrusting responsibility. Yeah, yeah. So so I think there are some implications there. What what do you think? I do too. I I think one of the implications is, um, since Christ bears fruit through us, mm-hmm. that ultimately it's not us working for Him, but He working through us. Right. That if we're in delegation, we have to focus first of all on a person's having a vital relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. and get them grounded in that first and foremost. Right. We can certainly use tasks and things, uh, low risk and things mm-hmm. like that, but the, the real focus is, is helping them in their own walk with Christ. That's the first thing we do, because right. uh, I think if you, if you push service as, as kind of your first thing out of the box, people can get really excited about serving, and feel, but they will burn out. Because yeah. they're 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 drawing on their own strength to do it rather than out of a, the fullness of their relationship with Christ. Yeah, I think that's good. So start by by getting a, a disciple to deepen their own relationship with Christ, and you can't bypass that step no. until you're abiding with Jesus in His Word as a habit of life. You really don't have um, well, your discipleship won't be effective exactly because you, you reproduce what you are. Yeah, and uh, and you're not really abiding in Jesus and letting Him work through you. So. So yeah, getting that daily connection to, to Jesus. I mean, another thing I thought about it is is just a, a mistake that that you can make too is, is that you you are so eager to get people to do things that you delegate on the basis of enthusiasm mm. and not proven character. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and and so you think, man, I really need someone to lead a group. I really need someone to do this ministry. And often it's the, the the loudest, most passionate person. You think, oh, great, I'll give it to them because clearly they're the person to do it. They're the person who will run with it. Yeah. And and passion is important, but enthusiasm. The the problem with it is it's common. Yeah. It's very common. Yeah. Yeah. And um, endurance is rare. Yeah. And and so I think this is why Paul warns uh, about leaders in the church in First Timothy three that they must not be a recent convert. Or they can become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. So um, if you don't let someone, particularly if they're a new believer, just spend time on the basics, being with you, growing deeper in the Word, watching you do ministry, um, the 
just how human nature works is that that you will begin to think way too highly of yourself. Yeah. If yeah. if you're assigned with significant leadership responsibility early in your walk. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jesus operated on the faithful and little, faithful and much right. principle, and people had to demonstrate faithfulness in small things before he entrusted anything of great importance to them. Yeah. And and I kind of echoing what you're saying, it's easy to fall for enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. People are excited. Oh, I'm just so excited about this. But that's enthusiasm comes and goes very quickly. <laughs> um, it is the person who is faithful who is what we're looking for and who follows through when you when you ask them to do something. That's the person you can you can uh, trust in greater responsibilities because they've proven themselves in small responsibilities. It takes patience to do that because yeah. we always want to we want to run before we can walk. We want, mm-hmm. and we think, well, this person's great. He'll be a great leader. Look what a kind of great personality he has, or, or look what how people are attracted to her, or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. But if we don't take the time to really give them small things to do and see how they do it, and if they're really willing to serve humbly, then we're we're building on a shaky foundation. Yeah, absolutely. So Jesus takes that first step, uh, but then there is a very concrete second step. And you see it in, I think it's Matthew 10 and Luke 10, mm-hmm. right? Where he sends the disciples out. And there is a great deal of clarity and intentionality to how Jesus does this. Yeah. And I think each of his instructions is just packed with implications right. for us. In terms of, okay, once a person has proven themselves faithful, first of all, they show up, they they attend the group, right? Yeah. They're, they're willing to pray in the group. They're willing to follow up with people outside of the group, right? Just to give community groups as an example. Okay, at some point, we, we assign them some greater, not just tasks, but responsibility here. Right. Um, what does that look like? I think Jesus gives us kind of a template for delegating here. Yeah. And so what are your thoughts on that? Just, just how Jesus commissions and what we can learn from it. Well, I think one thing, he's very, very concrete, Mm-hmm. He doesn't make any assumptions. He tells them, here's where to go. Yep. Here's how, what to take. Yeah. Here's what not to take. Here's what to say. Mm-hmm. Here's where, what to eat. Yeah. Here's, here's who to look for. Here's who to look for. Right. Here's, if you can't find that person, move on. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't assume that they need to figure it out on their own. He gives them very concrete uh, uh, explanations of exactly what they're to do. Right. And I, I think that has got so many implications for how we delegate things to people that you can't assume. You mm-hmm. have to make things as clear and as simple as possible for yeah. people to be able to do it. Right. That's good. So good. Jesus makes it very concrete and clear. And then, and then there's a number of instructions he gives, right? He tells them where to go. He says in Matthew 10, the lost sheep of Israel, right? We're going to preach the gospel to the Jew first, right? Because that's who it, it comes to. Um, he says, look for the person of peace, right? Um, the, the, the person who is open to relationship with you and open to your message. He, he sends them out in twos. So there's never isolation, right? It's always a team effort. Um, you have to trust God for provision, right? Here's, here, you can't take much with you. <laughs> Yeah. You're really going to have to rely on God as you do this. He says, expect hardship. He says, expect a divided response, that not everyone's going to like the message. Um, he says, remember, you're representing me, that you go with my authority. And 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 so it's very clear, right, what they're supposed to do. But any of those just stand out to you as kind of implications for how we assign or delegate um, responsibility. Well, one of the really obvious things is he is sending them out to unbelievers to minister to unbelievers. Hmm. 
And, and I think that's where we have to start in terms of delegating, is that it's very easy to, to keep people working inside the church. Yes. And, 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 but that's not, where, that's not where the harvest is. No. And so it's, we, I think encouraging people to keep developing their relationships with unbelievers and reaching out to them and teaching them how to share their faith with them and build relationship with them is foundational. Uh, to, to ministry. Otherwise, what can happen is people can be very busy in the work of the church, and 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 because there's always jobs in the church that we can use to, to delegate to them. Right. But we miss we we miss the mission that way. And so I like the way that Jesus starts. He doesn't teach them how to run a church. <laughs> he 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 sends them out to take the gospel, which is what they're going to be doing for the rest of their lives. Right. And, and I love that because when you get to the Great Commission, there is no, there shouldn't have been any surprise, in a sense, to the disciples that their commission was to go. Jesus had been teaching them how to go to unreached people throughout his ministry. Yeah. But now they're going to have, you know, this superpower now of the Holy Spirit yeah. and the authority of Christ in a whole new way to go. Yeah. But but that earlier sending in Luke 10 and Matthew 10, to me, it's all preparation for the ultimate sending they're going to do when Jesus is not with them exactly. in in person. So I like that, and I think it's a key implication, right? If you're developing a, um, a, a leader in your community group or something else, frame it as, we're going to grow as a disciple to reach unreached people. Right, right. And it's, it could be unreached people within the church, right, who are just kind of straggling and haven't really been discipled, but hopefully unreached people in your neighborhood, your network, or in your sphere of need, right, that, that, that those are people that you're being sent to. I just think that is so critical because here's what happens if we don't emphasize that discipleship happens in the context of lostness, right? That we're going out to, to lost people to try to win them is that you just get this weird sort of incestuous almost discipleship within the church where you have all these people trying to disciple each other and there's no external focus. And what that often means is we have to create more programs to create more leaders. Right, right. So we want to make disciples, so we're going to start a different kind of men's ministry and a different kind of women's ministry, and then, and then more of this specialized ministry, more of that specialized ministry, so we can raise up leaders. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't think all programs are bad, but when that's the bent is toward just creating more activities within the church, it, it, it makes the church internally focused— and it doesn't create the kind of disciple makers that Jesus wants to create. Yeah. yeah. And ultimately, it, it creates this very complicated trellis yeah. um, with very little vine, very little new life right. and growth coming out of it. And I had a buddy who uh, he said that, you know, that, that was their model for developing leaders in their church. And eventually, the church had like 90 ministries with leaders, but very little fruit yeah. or growth. Um, and so I just think that's critical. We are training people to go out into the harvest. Yeah. We are not training people to become better at doing church stuff. Exactly. Now, I can't tell you how many people I've uh, have challenged to be a disciple maker. And, and they say, well, I'm not a pastor. I don't have the, I, I don't know all the people in the church that you know. Huh. And it was like they wanted me to, to pair them up with somebody in the church that they could and, and convince them to disciple them because right. I was in a better position to do that than them. And I, right. I like what Jesus does. He says, you go, 
and you look for people who are relationally open to you, right. to the man of peace, to right. the person who wants to have a relationship with you, and that's who you invest your time in. Right. And that's what's going to open up. You know, and so it's much more important that when I challenge somebody to make disciples, I, who are your friends already? Right. You know, what, what context do you, what people in the community are relationally open to you? Right. Are in the church are relationally open to you, but don't, I, I you know, I'm not going to be able to form those friendships for you. You've got yeah. to form those friendships, and then those people become the likely candidates to be discipled. No, that's so good. Jesus did not go into the village and find people who really liked him among the crowds. Right. <laughs> and then go, hey, go, I'm going to team you up with this disciple to go learn how to follow me, right? Yeah. He said, no, you have to go seek and save the lost. In yeah. a sense, you have to go, um, like me, go and be that externally focused person. And that's so huge because if you're not willing to take that step, you're not willing to make disciples. Right. You, you won't become a disciple maker until your heart breaks for lost people in your life. Yeah. To the point where you are willing to take the risk to talk to them about Jesus. And, and, and that's a good way to say it because there is no disciple making without risk. Yeah. Because, because we're walking by faith and, right. and we've got to step out, not know what's going to happen. Yeah. And risk rejection. Right. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, and, and, and Jesus is very clear in Matthew 10. And, and listeners, a helpful application from this podcast would be uh, go read Luke 10 and, and Matthew 10 and how Jesus delegates work. But he, he says to expect hardship, right? Um, he, he expect opposition. That's part of the, the game here, right? It, it's, it's, this, is, this is a feature, not a bug, right. of, of doing this. Yeah. No, and, and again, to, to repeat something I think we've talked about before, is Jesus uh, uh, tells them exactly how to do each thing. Yeah. He doesn't assume that they should know this. Uh, here's, how, here's what you say. Mm-hmm. Here's what you do. When you get rejected, here's what to do. Yeah. When you're accepted, hmm. here's what to do. Right. Um, it just, and I think it's so easy uh, to, to assume people should know what we've learned over, taken us years to learn and right. not realize that this is, you know, this is brand new to most people. Right. And what we just do intuitively because we've been doing it so long, because we've made all the mistakes and stumbled along. Right. It, it helping them just like a coach on a, on a, of an athlete. Okay. Here's the way you throw the ball. Right. Here's the way you 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 run the router. Here's the way you swim the stroke. This is the this is the way you do it. Don't assume they they'll know how to do it. You have right. to show them how to do it. Yeah. Um, everything has to be. Uh, the, uh, Jesus didn't assume any knowledge. Yeah. He started with the basics here. So good. So let's say you're investing in a person, and they're faithful. They're available. They're teachable. Maybe they're in a group with you. At what point do you give this sort of challenge to say, I think you're ready to do with others what I have been doing with you? Um, sooner rather than later. Okay. Uh, you know, I think, I think the sooner you give it, the better, so that you clarify where you're going. And, and, uh, right. Well, I'm not talking about the first of kind of beginning with the end in mind because right. you have to do that. But at what point do you, you know, is there a point you kind of say, okay, it's time, <laughs> my, I, I, it's time for you to go out and do this yourself? Um, yeah, I think I, I would never, uh, you know, ideally I don't always do this, but I would say 
if I'm following Jesus' example, I never say it's time to go out and do this by yourself. Right. If it's, if it's something <laughs> I have, I say, let's go. And do it together. Let's go do this together. I've got, a, I'm, 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 I've got an appointment for lunch with my neighbor. Yeah. And I'd like you to come along. Right. And you don't have to say anything. Right. Just, but just, just hang out. Just hang out. Just, right. just listen how it goes and stuff like that. It's because I don't, again, Jesus' method, he does it while they watch. Right. And so if I'm really following Jesus' method of discipleship making, I need to demonstrate to them how yeah, this gets back things. to the demonstration step. And so I'm just trying to contextualize this for our listeners because yeah. it's still a little abstract here how you do this, right? So let's say you're in a community group, right, in a study. Yeah. They've watched you lead. They've watched you engage with people. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, you're engaging with lost people to some degree. Yeah. Um, and, and so then, um, you know, we've talked about making it concrete or practical. Okay, what do we say in terms of is it start a new group? Is it, you know, kind of what does that look like? Yeah, yeah. I, I, if I understand your question, I think it's a good question. Practically, I'm looking for a person who already is responding to what they're learning from the Bible. I mean, yep. It's obvious that they, they have a heart for obedience. Right. And then I look for, okay, what's some practical next steps for them to begin to get out of the, out of the nest here and move into the community and stuff like that? So, yeah. so I would probably sit down with them and, and say, let's make a list of your best friends, yeah. people that you have the, the best access to that aren't believers. Right. And uh, how could you further your relationship with this person? Right. What are some ways? Uh, what What do you have in common with them? What do you share in common with them? Yep. Well, you both like to play golf. Okay. Why don't you? Yeah. Try to see if they'd like to play golf once a month with you. Right. And uh, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. They're but, the person of peace. And then yeah. And, and at some point, you know, if you've been in the study, there's there's a point where you say, okay, um, inviting this person to engage scripture with you, you yes. know, are them as a couple to engage, you know, yeah. just have an exploratory Bible study, I think right. would be a next, a next step. Here. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I think it's having a clear path. Right. They can see, okay, you do this, then you do this, then you do this. And it, God may lead you a different way, but he leads you when you're moving. Right. And uh, so it's starting to move out and at, out of your comfort zone a little bit and, and uh, really praying that God will use you in another person's life. Right. And giving that person the opportunity to learn more about Christ through you. Yeah. And and we'll talk about supervision next week, but I, I think it, it's it's good to remember, yeah, you're not doing this alone. It's not, you know, peace. I've taught you what you need to know. And then yeah. you, you know, you you uh you know, you pull an Elijah and then disappear yeah. into heaven, right? And yeah. Jesus doesn't do that. He gives the spirit. He, he's still with them. Exactly. He's always with them. He's always working. And so I think as disciple makers you know, we're we're always cheering the people on who are who are um, who we're building up right. in the faith to say, hey, go go and get. You know, how are you engaging your neighbor? How is that going? Okay, what would a next step spiritually look like with them? That's awesome. Right. And it doesn't have to be as formal as you're going to go start this community group or that thing. It's just building an, another discipleship relationship. That's the basic thing we're after here. And and maybe you're creating an environment where you can bring. It's easy to bring believers and non-believers together. Yeah, that's huge. And and so that you don't even it's the starting another group is not even on the on the horizon yet. What we want to do is to get them Keep into cultivating a, relationships cultivating, in this environment, yeah, right? A, a group where you have both believers and unbelievers fell, you know, spending time socially together right. and then being able to talk about these kind of things yep. and seeing where that goes because mm-hmm. after they've been in a group like that, the the their leaders will think, "Hmm, I would love to do a group like this in my neighborhood. Right. Because they see it happening. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's just, again, there is nothing more fun 
than than talking about Jesus with with earnest seekers. Yeah. I mean, it is the it is the funnest thing. Just to let you guys know who are yeah. listening, guys and gals. No one says gals, but anyway, y'all people. Uh, it is it is the uh, it it is just exhilarating to be because you really you really sense that you're kind of on the the front lines of the expansion of God's kingdom yeah. in the world, yeah. and that's just the funnest, scariest place to be. It is, and I I learned to share my faith by watching other Christians share theirs. Yeah. It, was a, it wasn't a class. It wasn't a, you know, or anything like that. It was just getting out there and doing it. Right. And uh, I remember the first time you know, somebody took me out on campus to share hmm. with people, and I was just going to ride shotgun. And uh, we got halfway in the conversation, and the guy said, well, John, what do you think about that? <laughs> That's some good delegation right there. <laughs> exactly. And I had to, did he, did he, did he uh, say, John, if God is all good and all powerful and evil exists, how do you reconcile? No, I, I, wasn't that wasn't that hard, but, okay. but uh, you know, it did ask me to share my experience with Christ. Yeah, you know, and I so I was able to, you know, as a young, young, wet behind the ears um, Christian, was right. able to share the little bit I knew about Christ and how He had changed my life. And it yeah. was one of the most exciting things I'd ever done. I couldn't believe how exciting that was to to actually uh, talk to somebody about Christ. Yeah, um, and it didn't matter how that person responded. The joy I had was just. Uh, it was incredible. It's something, I, and I got addicted to it. It, yeah. was, it was too much fun, you know. Right. But I, it, it, it couldn't have been a class. That couldn't have happened in a class. No. It had to happen in the actual experience. Yeah, and I think it gets back to the context of relationships that Jesus called us to be with Him. And so, as you're trying to build up people in the faith, you've got to be building a relationship in a community that's open to the presence of lost people. Yeah. To non-Christians. Yeah. So that you have a, a tie to each other and a connection to to people who are yet to believe. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that's where the the magic, the synergy happens, is there because if if you are a community group open to the, to the presence of non-believers, for example, then everything you're doing has this externally focused implication that makes clear why you're doing it. Yeah. Okay, we're going to study this passage this week. Okay, yeah, we've really got to know what it says because we're going to get asked questions and we're going to be talking about it. And okay, yeah. this person's dealing with this issue. And okay, are you going to follow up with them and dealing with this challenge or this objection or this? And so it just, it, the delegation is a lot more of an organic, natural thing when you're doing that as opposed to some classroom where, you know, this is the next thing we're going to delegate and this exactly. is the next thing. So. Exactly. I think too, it's, it's, we're called to be fishers of men. Right. And so that means that one of the fundamental skills right of a disciple and a disciple maker is fishing they have they have to be able to build relationships they have to be able to build friendships right and so if you have people in your group who just are very clumsy at building relationships just forming friendships that's where you have to focus your your uh, your your work on because until you can it doesn't matter that they can't articulate the gospel real well until they can build a relationship right uh it, it otherwise you've got a few fishermen who bring in the fish in and everybody else is there applauding look at all the fish that got brought in and that's that's not going to work no no and that's you know and, and and the fishing is every christian's responsibility exactly. and i think that's just such an important point to reiterate is that that God's model for growing the church, sure, you can have a preacher share the gospel on Sunday mornings, and you can bring their friends, and they can believe. That's great. God uses that. Praise God. 
But but nowhere in the New Testament would you get the idea that pastors preaching sermons is the primary way people get saved. No. Uh, it's through disciples making disciples, yeah. and, and, and through every Christian being a fisher of men. I'm not saying that they're mutually exclusive. I think those things go together, and I, you know, I don't denigrate the preaching of the Word at all. It's central to everything we do as a church, but that, that evangelism is primarily the job of the pastor preaching on a Sunday morning. I do not think that you could get that from the New Testament. That's right. I think what you could get is that every Christian is responsible to go out and fish. And so to your point, and yeah, this would be a good thing to do a podcast on, <laughs> but uh, it is, uh, it is um, that, yeah, to be a fisher of men and to delegate work, you really are teaching people to just love people well. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so if you don't know how to form a friendship, uh, and really all I'm talking about here is that you are willing to invest in a relationship where you are more interested in them than they are in you. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, that, it, that, that you are willing to lay down your nature and say, I am going to enter this person's world and be genuinely interested in them, even if they don't reciprocate yeah. initially, because I want to build a real relationship there where the gospel could travel across. That You have to be willing to do that and sacrifice. Yeah. No, you're going to have to inconvenience yourself. Um, you, you want to work out in the backyard but your neighbor is across the street working in his front yard. Well, you you leave your job, <laughs> and just to go over to have a conversation. Yeah, you know, every there are people that can only be reached by you. Everybody, all of us have people that we are uniquely gifted in reaching. Just our personalities and our backgrounds yeah. and stuff like that. And, and I can't reach those people no, for you. No, I can't. No. Yeah. And and so I think if every Christian simply had the responsibility to build the friendships they can. Right. To find the people of peace around them in, in whatever wherever they are right. most of the time, whether it be work or neighborhood or, or recreation or whatever it happens to be, to to find those people around them and just did that, mm. it would it would advance the cause of Christ so much. Yeah. No, I uh I was reading this morning um uh commentary on Matthew 11 and Jesus' words, you know, I am gentle and lowly of heart. And he made a great point that, that lowly there, if you really break down what it means, is that Jesus was accessible. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Uh, it, it isn't uh, so much about humility in the way we think about it, of saying, oh, I'm not that great, or, you know, don't, don't. it's lowly is, is of humble estate. Yeah. Um, is the primary meaning there, which means Jesus is saying, I am accessible to anyone who's yeah. willing to come. Yeah. That that's what it means. Yeah. And, and that's his invitation. And I just think that that to be Christ-like and to have that heart, to be lowly, is 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 that you are accessible to people. You yeah. are just so accessible to anyone who has an inkling of interest in relationship yeah. with you. Yeah, you're welcoming. And welcoming. Yeah. I mean, it's just that that you're genuinely curious about people. Yeah. And welcoming and and willing to put always be the one who takes the first step. Yeah. And reach out to people and start a conversation with people. And right. Interest. And that is lowliness. That is humility. It's right. Pride is being the one who has to has to be approached. Right. It's the one who has to be asked questions. Yeah. The one who is kind of up there. And uh, yeah. But but lowly is the person who who becomes the host, who becomes the person who reaches out. Or to quote C.S. Lewis, which pastors need to do a couple times every week. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking about yourself. 
less. Right. right, right. Yeah, you're just focused on the other person. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure this has anything to do with delegation anymore, but it's been helpful uh, to talk about these things. Um, and yeah, maybe to, to put a bow on this, the idea here is to, to begin with the end in mind as you're making disciples that, hey, I'd love to, to grow with you so that, that we can reach people together and so that you can. Yeah. And then think about what kind of um, steps they need to take to reach the people who are in their life. Yeah. And be clear about what those next steps are. Yeah. And then give assignments. Yeah. I mean, that's Jesus gives assignments. Yeah. He's and then he finds out how they did. Right. And I think it's so easy to be more of a counselor or be more of a friend right. or be more of an instructor. Yeah. Uh or, or any uh, everything but an actual disciple maker. Right. More reactive than than proactive. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that the assignments can be really simple is is just hey, um write down five unreached people in your sphere on a card and commit to praying for them every day. Yeah. Right. That's an assignment. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. And another assignment is, okay, you have this neighbor. Um, have you ever invited them over? Right. Yeah. Okay. That's, <laughs> here's your challenge this week yeah. is figure out how to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, they, they, they can be really simple things. Yeah. Or find three things you have in common with your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Right. Where'd you go to middle school? What was that like for you? Right. You know, you like sports or do you like, you know, just but to look for the points of connection with this person that I have right. that I can use because the more like them I can become, yeah. the easier it is to, to, to influence them and become their friend. Right. It's great. Good. Well, I think that's a good place to, to leave off. We covered a lot there and hopefully there were some helpful um, tidbits there for you as listeners as you think about making disciples. Um, so next week, we'll be back with uh, Coleman's seventh chapter, which is supervision and how Jesus followed up with people, the importance of accountability in relationships and, uh, and continual uh, guidance and support. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is helpful. Thanks. Good, thank you. It's, it's convicting. I need to go do these things <laughs> more. <laughs> Always so, easier to, yeah. you know what they say, when all is said and done, more is said than done. Right. <laughs> or as they also say, those who can do and those who can't podcast. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with you soon. <laughs>